246. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. I'm John. I'm Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to look through it and see God. We don't come to it primarily to look at it and see ourselves. All right. Three more sessions in Matthew. We're already more than halfway. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, Matthew's been great. Uh, and Matthew 17, man, is a very important chapter. I say that all the time, but this right. chapter is really important because remember last time, Matthew 16, we had the confession. We had right. Christ giving his first prediction of his death and resurrection. Right. And then he says, yo, like, man, if you're going to follow me, you got to take up a cross. It's going to be rough. Um, you know, and that sort of thing. But then he goes into the Mount Transfiguration. Yeah. Why? Again, the gospels always do this. They put the death, talking about the death, right before him talking about his resurrection. Yeah, so he's going to give them a glimpse of suffering in his words, but now he's going to give them this first like glimpse of, nah, look at this glory. Yeah, the yeah. glory that will come. So remember Exodus 34, Moses goes up the mountain to meet with God. He comes right. back down, his face is shining. Why? He's in the presence. He's in the glory presence right, of right, God. Right. So when you're in the glory presence of God, you begin to reflect right. God's glory in mm -hmm. your own life. And it's so bright that he has to put a veil over his face. Remember right. the text. Here, Jesus' face ain't just glowing. Right. He's glowing. Right. Right? Yeah. He's glowing himself. There's no veil covering him either. Yeah. So in other words, he shows the three the three disciples, Peter, John, and uh, James, the end, of the, the end of the little cohort, <laughs> uh, he shows them that, no, 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 like this is the end through which suffering is um, only the beginning, right? Like yep. glory. And then he has the father say, yo, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Right. Moses came down to mountain and was like, yo, these are the commands of Yahweh. Nah, nah, this is like, yo, I am Yahweh in the flesh coming to give you the word of God. And here, yeah, again, just so many parallels. Uh, but yeah, he's a greater Moses here. Yeah. Showing us God's glory and the fate we will have yep. if we follow him. Yep. And not just the greater Moses, but when he's up there, there's two people that come uh, alongside him. Elijah, yeah. Moses, who is responsible for the law, mm -hmm. Elijah, the most prominent prophet and there you have the law and the prophets there. testifying to this right true king right so think of the old testament right the the anticipation of what we were in for nine months <laughs> that is referred to as the law and the prophets mm. testify to christ there in all his glory mm, that's so good yeah what's, what's interesting man is that uh once he comes down from the mountain he uh casts out a demon right so what's interesting about that is the disciples couldn't cast it out. Right. And he says it's because of their little faith. And so even though we know the end of the story, we right. know that glory is coming. I think Jesus is trying to say, in the meantime, we mm -hmm. still have to live by faith. Right. Right. And yeah. so over and over and over again, we see the disciples not understanding, not comprehending. But God is saying, like, again, it's this already and not yet. Like right. already the kingdom is coming. But. In the meantime, right. in the not yet, right yeah. now, before the kingdom is fully consummated, yeah. we have to live by faith, right, right, before Christ comes and sets up shot mm. fully. Amen. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, he talks about the faith. And then 18 is the fourth major teaching block. So remember we said, yo, five major teaching blocks, parallels the law, right. nine yards. This is the fourth one. And I love this one, too, because he's like, they're like, yo, Jesus Who's the greatest? Pam, this is crazy. After <laughs> <laughs> they come down off of the mountain, seeing him yeah. in glory. 
So it's clear. I no no. It's clear he's up and away the best. But then these dudes are like fighting for the silver medal. Ah yeah yeah yeah. We ain't gonna glow like that. But who's the second best? And it's like, yeah. You, you know, it's funny. I, I think uh, it really does speak to human nature. Right. So we tend to, to think in superlatives, right? Who's yeah. good? Who's better? Who's best? Seem to be our main paradigms. And our friends always talk to us about, you know, we're always trying to argue who's the best NBA player of all time. And they're it's just like, appreciate greatness. Appreciate. Right. It's like, nah, bro, it's somebody got to be better than somebody. <laughs> right. And that's just how humans are. Right. And so he's like, yo, truly, I tell you, Unless you turn and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself yeah. like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom mm. of heaven. This is going to be the glue that holds that together, this concept of humility, right? It's mm -hmm. going to be the glue, not just for the Christian, yes. but humility is going to be the glue for the Christian community mm. as a whole, right? Mm. Mm. So even when you talk about this concept of greatness... Yes. He's going to go right next to the parable of the lost sheep, right? Mm -hmm. And I think we tend to think greatness comes in terms of our contribution, our value, what we do. Mm. But I think even in putting the parable of the lost sheep right after their uh, question about greatness, mm -hmm. they've got to wrestle with their greatness doesn't come in what they do. Their greatness comes in whose they are. Mm-hmm in who comes to look for them. So their value is about, mm. yeah, Christ or God's ownership of them. And it puts you in a place where you realize your greatness is a derivative greatness. My mm. greatness is tied to the person that I truly value. Yeah, and we just see the inverted nature of the kingdom. Yeah. Right? Where those who are humble are those who are exalted right. or those who are great. Not the people who have status in the ancient world. Kids had no, were the lowest on the totem pole in mm -hmm. terms of status and honor. And the whole ancient world was about getting the status and right. honor. And he's like, no, like you have to become like children, humble right. and dependent on me yeah. uh, for everything you need. I love what you said about the lost sheep. Super dope. And then, so 18 too, he's going to talk a ton, 19 as well, like about the community and how we are to live together in the kingdom. Right. Remember, the kingdom has to do with people. Right with yeah. real actual people, and so he's going to talk about restoring a brother here, and then he'll talk right after that about forgiveness. Right. So it's like, yo, we talk, we use this text for church discipline, which is good and fine, but it, right after that, he goes and say, yo, like just because a person is rebuked for their sin or restored, the community still has a responsibility to forgive them. Right. Right. Forgiveness is the mark of the believer, bro. We yeah. talked about this some offline, yeah. um, and it's like, man, we for the point of this parable he gives is like we've been forgiven an infinite debt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Even forgiven an infinite debt, how could we not forgive finite yeah. Yeah. sins? You're free to condemn somebody to hell the second that their sins against you exceed your sins towards God. Mm. Right. That's good. And oh, that's good, bro. When you start to that's do fine. that, you're like, ah, well, that's never going to be the case. And mm. it's like, well, you never have the power to condemn. Yeah. And I think. The more time that we sit rehearsing people's offenses, yeah. the harder it is for us to forgive them. And that's why, you know, the focus has to change. This is where the humility comes from. Change comes when we get to a place where the reflex of our soul is, I'm rehearsing God's goodness more than I'm rehearsing other people's offenses 
towards me. Amen. It doesn't erase what they've done. What no. they've done is still evil, yes. and we can own that. Yes. But in rehearsing the goodness of God, it does fill us with a gratitude and a sense of even what, even with what they've done, it's absolutely horrible. Even right, uh, uh, it's a. I don't sit here and think to know all the travesties that you've gone through. Nor mm. am I saying mm. forgiveness is supposed to be easy or quick or all of that. Mm. But what I am saying is that as we rehearse the goodness of God, mm. then like that doesn't preclude or that doesn't preclude people that have done wrong to us getting the justice that they deserve, but also us being able to say, even in the midst of that, um, I'm going to forgive you and time won't let us unpack what forgiveness is and is not, right? right? When right, I right. say you gotta be best friends, when we're, we're not saying all that. Not saying you gotta hire a person to stole from you. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even though forgiveness is something for the Christian that is not easy, mm. for the Christian, forgiveness is something that is eventual. Mm. It's got to take place, right? Forgiveness is a virtue that's uniquely ours. Like Amen. we own it more than anybody else. Yes. So nobody should outdo us in forgiveness. Absolutely. And it, again, it's something that runs counter to right. the way the world works. Yeah. Like the world doesn't think in those categories. If you yeah. wrong me, it's a wrap. I'm right. getting you back. Yeah. And nobody's forgiving you. Yeah. Jesus is saying, no, this is not the way of the kingdom of heaven. Right. Not the kingdom of this world. Mm. 19 comes and they get tricky. Right. Remember, forgiveness is a tough topic to talk about. Yeah. In a lot of ways, but divorce is really tough. Mm. And so the Pharisees is like, we can't get them on none of this stuff. I right, divorce Jesus, mm. and they like, yo, um, he's gonna, yeah. Again, remember Matthew is gonna contrast the teaching of the Pharisees with the teaching of Jesus. And one of the things, just side point, a disciple means being a learner, right? We are learners of right. the teachings of Jesus, and to some degree, um, we are to be equipped to right. handle false teaching. Mm-hmm. That comes against us, the church, and our brothers and sisters. Now they say, "Yo, um, is it lawful to, to is it lawful for to for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds?" Yeah, they're very careful with their words, strategic language. Jesus is like, "Yo, y'all ain't read the scriptures, bro, <laughs> right, fam? Y'all y'all really ain't read the scriptures." And he's just he's just tight with it. He's like, yeah. quotes Genesis too. So he goes way back to creation, right? And he grounds the permanence of marriage and creation. Again, this is not all the Bible says about right, marriage. Right. It's a it's a very uh, nuanced topic, but he does ground cre- uh, marriage and creation. Yeah. And this was before the fall, right? And so, um, and he says that you know uh, two should become one, united, man, one man, one woman till death. Now they like yo Moses commanded us to give papers. So he like they're like, why Moses command us to give her papers and send her away if we right. want a divorce? And he says, yo, Moses permitted you. Yeah. He didn't command you to do right, that. Right, 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 right. And this was not what it the way it was from the beginning. Yeah. Safe sexual immorality. Right. Right. He's yep. like, what well, you know, God is brought together, man should not tear apart. And so Jesus is reading the scriptures carefully. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think he's saying here, of course he's talking about marriage, but he is talking about the way. We come to our Bibles. Right. right? Yeah. And the way we come to our Bibles have practical implications. Yeah. This is re- anybody who's had anything to do with remotely close, adjacent to a divorce, right. knows how serious this is. Yeah. And Jesus is saying, like, no, we have to be careful of the teaching we bring in to the kingdom. Yep. 
And the Pharisees hear yet again, right? They're concerned about the letter of the law, the instructions. And they're like, all right, we want to make sure we're abiding by the instructions of divorce. And Jesus is say, saying, all right, no, 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 listen, before we can get to the instructions of divorce, we've got to know the intentions of marriage. Amen. And so they're going to talk about instructions and he's going to say, y'all have missed it. Intentions, intentions. Let's look at the intentions. God's and then intention, yeah. That'll make it all, yeah, clear. Absolutely. Last chapter 20. Um, I just love the parable of the, the vineyard worker and it's bracketed by this statement. Many who are first will be last and the last first. So yeah. 1930 will say that. And then 2016, Jesus will say that again. So the last will be first and the first last. And the main point of the parable is you you can't pigeonhole generosity, mm. right? Like oh, Jesus good. is generous. Yeah. The king is generous and who he invites in and when he invites them in right. is not based on merits, one, right. but it's not even based on time, right? right? There are some of us who say, yo, I've walked with the Lord my whole life. My life has been terrible. I get into the kingdom and this guy who's lived an immoral life his entire life right. repents on his deathbed. I see him in the kingdom. Yeah. Like that's not fair. There should be more here. And Jesus is like, yo, generosity, you can't pigeonhole. Right. right. And then there's an aspect too of like, that's a sword that cuts both ways. So mm. like, fam, you got a family member right. who repents at the end of the life, who didn't walk with the Lord the entire life, but repents at the end of the life. You're gonna be, you'll be excited. Right. But when it's somebody you don't know, right, there's an aspect of um, resentment over not getting exactly or believing they didn't get what they deserve. And so, yeah, we just see here, again, the kingdom just runs counter to the way we do things in the world. The more time I put in, the bigger resume I have, the better I have at any opportunity. Jesus is saying it's different in the kingdom of God. Yep. And 20 ends with him healing two blind men. Mm-hmm. And it's right before his entry into Jerusalem, his yeah. death, yeah. and all this stuff. And that's just yet again, yeah, another picture of all right, what Jesus is doing physically with these men, he's preparing to do spiritually as mm-hmm. he goes into the kingdom. Yeah. They call him the son of David. Yeah. Right. And they can't even see him. Yeah. Mm. And so there's an aspect of faith is a type of seeing. Right. And so Jesus just wants us to know that it's not by sight by faith we walk and believe everything he said yeah god help us to live today uh by faith more by what you say than what we see we see a world where the first seem like they'll always be first Mm. and the humility that you tell us to have it feels like a death sentence would you remind us uh lord that this is the path that you walked suffering before glory give us courage to do the same thing today it's in jesus name we pray amen